Welcome to Underground Magnolia Podcast, Elevated Entertainment with me, the one and only Desiree Valto in the whole wide world. On this episode of Underground Magnolia Podcast, I'm chatting with Lorraine Lionheart, a singer and songwriter heating up the global music scene. Hailing from Botswana in Southern Africa and based in the UK, she boasts a sound that fuses traditional African music with contemporary Afro-pop. The sexy singer already has four independent albums and several singles under her belt that explore a newish African beat called Ama Piano. In addition to her music, Lorraine is a scholar who is currently working on a doctorate in ethnomusicology. Plus, she is a lecturer who does a masterclass on the music of Africa. Get set as we discuss why her music is not all about being the most popular singer, her goal as an artist, her super sexy image, and why she's over dealing with stereotypes about Africa and Africans. Lionheart, you are the talk of the town in the UK and worldwide, <laughs> and you have like a million Instagram followers. How does it, how does it almost? <laughs> well, not it was like 900,000. That's a million. <laughs> so, how does it feel to be so popular and so recognized? Um, I ooh, I don't know uh, how it feels really because um, I think for me it's, it was never really my goal, but I kind of appreciate that recognition comes with uh, my choice of career, but it's not really my goal or what drives me or what inspires me. So what does drive you and what is your goal? What inspires you? It's more uh, to do with learning more about myself, just uh, knowledge of self, uh, learning about who I am, where I come from. Uh, where my ancestors came from and just trying to figure out how I can use that knowledge to live my life authentically and inspirationally in some way. (laughs) What do you want people to know about you? Well, (laughs) it's a difficult question because like I said, I'm not really the, so much of the limelight person. It's not really my goal. Like I want people to know this about me and that about me. All I really want to do is live my life authentically and my own truth and hope that it inspires somebody to do the same and just live their life without having to worry about the prejudice of society and what we're told we're supposed to be. The recording business, I mean, I always knew uh, growing up that I would get into a career or a job that involves some sort of uh, an audience, <laughs> whether it be it teaching or be it performing, entertaining. I always knew that I would have an audience or I would get involved in the kind of work that involves community, that involves good causes, that involves service. It was easier for me to decide to go the music route because music is is something that I'm very passionate about and especially songwriting. (laughs) 
So that's how I got into recording. I, I just went through a period in my life where I was doing other things, running businesses, just living my life. But I would always have these songs and music in me that nobody knew about. <laughs> and it could come in dreams and all sorts. And I just kind of made a decision to just go with it instead of try to avoid what ultimately I feel is my destiny anyway. So that's how I became a recording artist. <laughs> how would you describe your writing and, and your sound? My writing and my sound, for me, it's, I think over the years, I've uh, kind of diverted more towards sound than the actual uh, lyrics and everything, because I've always been drawn to music that I don't even understand what it's about. I listen to music from all kinds of uh, cultures and languages. I'm very fascinated with languages. So it's always for me being about the actual sound. I want to be able, I'm striving to sort of uh, make music that touches people regardless of whether or not they understand the words or they understand the culture that inspires it. So yeah, <laughs> that's my writing evolves around the things that I've already uh, basically mentioned, you know, just knowing myself, understanding my culture, my spirituality, and just uh, embracing my life as it is right now. So <laughs> your music does blend Afro pop and I'm a piano. And I, am I yeah, pronouncing yeah, that? Yeah, you're correct. Uh, yes, you're very correct. <laughs> <laughs> what is this Ama piano? Can you explain what that is? Ama piano is one of the newest, I would say, genre of African popular music. I actually see Ama piano as part of Afro pop, even though sometimes I'll be like, yes, I'm mixing Afro pop and Ama piano, but technically Ama piano is really part of Afro pop because it's part of African popular music. It's one of the newest genre, which is predominantly from South Africa and uh, the surrounding countries. So I'm a piano, it just has a lot of our sort of musical flavors. It's so deeply rooted in Southern African culture, but it also has some other elements from uh, music from the rest of Africa, like Afrobeats and house music. It has elements of that as well. So I think that's what's helping it slowly but surely break into mainstream. And it's like the fastest genre at the moment that's becoming quite popular worldwide the fastest african genre at the moment becoming popular worldwide yeah <laughs> and so you're blending these uh, more contemporary sounds with the south african roots and vocals uh -huh. and more traditional music how do you balance those two and not lose what you're trying to do yeah it's quite exciting for me because i love uh, fusion and i just love i've always loved uh, learning not only about my culture my roots, but about just world cultures. So it's always very exciting for me. Like it's, it's an absolute nightmare for me to even think about belonging to a particular genre. So I just love mixing all these influences. And even now I'm currently looking for potential collaborations with the other artists from different parts of the world that have different sounds to me. So for me, it's all about that fusion and appreciating different cultures, different influences. But at the same time, African sounds is so important to me because it's, it's me. <laughs> so I always have to have it in music. <laughs> what other artists are you trying to collaborate with? Are there other African artists, African-American artists, rappers, singers, Rihanna, Beyonce, <laughs> Jay -Z? You know what? <laughs> Everyone. I'm hoping you can help me with a few because I know you have connections. <laughs> so <laughs> 
I want to collaborate with everyone. I just something that I'm I'm always excited. It gives me something to look forward to in music. Just the potential of uh, the possibility of collaborating with uh, an artist from the Latin world, uh, from the Caribbean, from the Asian world. Like I'm just excited about. It's so difficult to name a person <laughs> because there's just so many of them, but also the African ones as well. <laughs> So whose music inspired you the most or who are your inspirations? I've got several. The ones easiest to name would be Nina Simone, for example. I'm a big fan of Enya, Enya music. And actually, I always thought to myself, my music would end up sounding like the African version of Enya's music. (laughs) (laughs) So I love the touch of spirituality in it. And yeah, I love Fela Kuti and many others, but it, it tends to be mostly a lot of the, the old school music, music from the 50s, 60s, different eras. So you mentioned Fela Kuti and one of the things that you wanted to do, a dream of yours, was to play at the shrine in Lagos. And that dream actually came true for you. Yes, that dream came true. I still have to pinch myself. <laughs> the shrine, actually, it almost feels to an African musician. It almost feels like our Mecca, like our Holy Grail, <laughs> our Holy Land. So like just being there sometimes, even if you're not performing, you just feel different. There's a different atmosphere altogether. I watched a video from, say, Paul McCartney talking about the shrine, his experience at the shrine. And I was like, I resonate with this. I get it. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so fortunate that I have a very good relationship with the Fela family and the management at the shrine. And every time I'm there, it's explosive. It's beautiful. And I've been going there every year since I think 2017. <laughs> yeah. So even this year, I'm going to go there and do my Felakuti celebration. <laughs> yeah, uh, my husband is actually Nigerian. And to hear him oh, really? nice. talk about Fela, he's like a god. Yes, yeah. Fela is like a messiah to people like me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your music. One thing I notice is that your music is very sexy and your image is very sexy with your <laughs> with the pictures of the kuchu kuchu. I was like, oh my goodness. So where <laughs> so where does the you know sec- the sexiness comes from? And I know, you know, come from the African culture for women in particular, it's like sexuality is not such a great thing, but here you uh-huh. are. Tell me about your image and and going for this sexy, (laughs) sexy vibe. The sexy vibe. You know, actually, I don't see it as sexy. I see it as artistic. (laughs) 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 But yeah, I think it also just goes back to me not wanting to follow what is expected of me (laughs) too much. And I just feel like it's important to, because I think, especially as a black woman, like from day one, when you grow up, you're told something about you is wrong. Your hair is wrong. So you then say, okay, I'll change it to just fit in and make it acceptable. Or your skin is wrong. Oh, then let me bleach it and see if I'm acceptable. Your personality is wrong. You're an angry black woman or something. There's always something wrong with us. So for me, I kind of believe I have to embrace myself fully. And that includes like, there's nothing wrong with any area of my personality, whether it's the part of me that's intellectual, whether it's the part of me that's sensual, it is still part of who I am and it's, there's nothing wrong with it. So I kind of try to express that with my 
my my my music and yeah my artistry really so for me it's it's another thing and i think one important thing that i have to say i've always felt like what i'm working on is not just being the best artist that i can be i want to be more than an artist i want to be art because i feel like art in general is important sometimes even more than the artist so for me making myself art it means that art starts conversations art uh, starts dialogues and challenges people and art does not have to be perfect so i want to present myself as art to start conversations that i think are important like what is so wrong with sexuality or sensuality when really our own sort of our main instinct as human of survival is uh, procreation so sexuality really should be a topic that is normalized and sex education should be <laughs> normalized as well so basically that's i don't know if that explains my yeah. my perspective oh, on how i definitely. present myself <laughs> and also talking about normalization i was uh, reading a recent article um, about where someone asked you about combating the stereotyping of Africa. And, and your response was basically, there's so many stereotypes of Africa. Yeah. <laughs> Where do I begin? How do I answer that? And and it's true. I mean, there's so much, you know, yeah. you just have to be. Can you speak more on, on those continuing African stereotypes? And I mean, and what do we do about it? About them? Yeah, there's so many, whether it's to do with just our cultures or just as us as human. I mean, they, wow, I don't even know where to begin with that. Like just sometimes even things that are irrelevant to music, like people can sometimes have uh, an idea in their mind, say, for example, in the medical world, that we <laughs> as Black people don't feel pain <laughs> the way other people do. So they end up uh, being neglected by the medical world, you know, stuff like that. So they just so many stereotypes about us as uh, people of color that I just feel like we are never, ever going to please the world, no matter how much we try to conform to the standards or the expectations of how we should be and who we should be. We're never going to please them. They'll just keep pushing, moving the goalposts. Right. So the, at the end, you just decide, no, let me just be me, authentically me, and and just take the hit, take the fire with it. But I just feel like it's important to stand up as Lorraine Lionheart and say, I'm who I am. I accept myself. I embrace myself fully as an, a Black African woman. And so can you, to a young African girl growing up watching. <laughs> Let's keep it going with more on Lorraine Lionheart's music and being invited to sing for the Queen of England's Platinum Jubilee this summer on June 2nd. She'll also tell us more about growing up in Botswana and why she keeps it moving with more than just music. Now you have these three singles out, Kuchu Kuchu, Wake Up the Neighbors and Grinder. So what is it about these three songs that are out and are heating up the charts. Tell me about these three songs. Yeah, the three songs, actually, the, they are the more the dominant songs of me exploring Ama Piano. Prior to that, I have albums out and other singles that are not Ama Piano, but this, the three songs that you mentioned, my most recent, and they're all Ama Piano and Afropop fusion. 
So that's why I've been pushing them the most, only because they're recent. But I also have like all other music, including very traditional music as well. <laughs> so now these three songs, so will there be an album of Ami Piano or are you just going to release them as singles? I did actually consider doing an Ami Piano album, but I took myself out of it. So I just felt like I need to put a few more singles out. But mostly I want to really focus on finding some great collaborations, sort of bringing this style of uh, music and fusing it with uh, other different styles. So that's, I think an album is still on the back burner, at least for another 12 months. Maybe I could start working on an album next year. But this year, my focus is just releasing more singles and then uh, working on other musical projects and hopefully collaborations. Now, your background is very exciting. So you have a master's and now you're working on your <laughs> PhD in ethnomusicology. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know how hard this entertainment industry is. So we always have to have like something, you know, it's quite competitive. So I think it's, it's the day and time where artists or singers have to do a whole lot more than just singing. And I think, to be honest, I've always been into academics. And unfortunately, I don't come from, a, would say, a disadvantaged background where I wasn't able to get the education that I felt I needed earlier. But I kind of made it a mission in life that I'm going to get an education <laughs> one or the other. And yeah, my dad was a teacher. My aunties and uncles were teachers. So they were always into education. And I just feel like when it comes to African studies, whether it's politics, whether it's cultural studies or musical studies, these studies are historically dominated by non-Africans. So I just feel like we have a duty as like young Africans right now to take our, our, our place in the academic world and tell our African story in our own voices. And I just feel like I want to be part of that movement. <laughs> And that's why I just went all the way in with their music studies. Now, you also speak several languages. How many languages do you speak? I speak six and I sing in about 17. Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I am just nuts about languages. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. did that, so obviously it comes naturally. So when did you start learning all of these languages? Oh, I learned all of them. Well, most of them in my childhood. So we grew up. Because the thing is, in most African countries, you have several different languages within one country. Right. And if you're going to be sort of moving from one place to the other, you know, at some point you need to be sort of learning some of the languages. <laughs> so I learned most of them in my childhood, but I learned uh, Shona, which is a Zimbabwean language, in my teens while I was studying in Zimbabwe. So you grew up in Botswana and then Botswana, you, moved, yes. and you moved to the UK. So can you tell me... A little bit about growing up and why you decided to move to the UK. Oh, uh, yeah. Growing up in Botswana, for me, it was just quite a privilege. <laughs> like, I appreciate it more and more the more I stay here. Even though I actually love Britain, it's, it's become my home. I've been here for almost 18 years now. But growing up in Botswana was quite a contrast, a different environment altogether. And when I, I was in Botswana, I didn't grow up in the big cities. So I was like in a very small, tiny villages. And I just kind of take the lessons uh, from there and the lessons from a different environment here. And I just kind of see myself as quite privileged <laughs> in a lot of ways. 
So now being in the UK, of course, you're exposed to royalty and you've performed for royalty <laughs> and you will be performing for the Queen's for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee coming up yeah. in June. So tell me about that whole invitation and your other performances for royalty. Yes, I worked uh, a few years ago. I started working with the Commonwealth. I was contacted by the Commonwealth and they were looking for African or artists or artists with uh, African heritage. And they contacted me to do some of the events here. Then later on contacted me to do a performance for Prince Harry and Meghan. And I believe through all those engagements, I made quite a good impression. <laughs> Thank God. And then years later, when they needed another African artist to for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, they considered me. So I was quite excited and I'm, I feel extremely lucky <laughs> to have gotten the engagement. But yeah, it's a project that we've already started working on at the moment, even though it's not sort of publicly out everywhere. But yeah, it's quite exciting. Very challenging, but quite exciting. <laughs> what do you think about Prince Harry and Meghan Markle and what they've been going through with, with the Queen? And if you have any comments on that? Um, not really, because I think the media just exaggerates a whole lot of things. I believe actually, but this is just my own personal opinion. I believe Prince Harry and Meghan actually have a good relationship with the Queen. Mm-hmm. I think everything else that's been said, is just noise. People just trying to sell tabloids. <laughs> but I, I really think the Queen, I think she's a great grandmother to Harry, and I think they have a good relationship. So, yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> Why did you take on the name Lionheart? I mean, I can probably guess, but I, I want you to <laughs> I want you to tell me. <laughs> I get asked that question a lot, and sometimes I don't even know myself. But I think I wanted a name that can... Initially, I wanted a name that could rhyme with Lorraine, and Lionheart doesn't quite rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> It, it kind of sort of flows to a certain extent, but I also wanted a name that I felt could challenge me to be better all the time. I don't really want to reach a stage in my life or my music where I feel like I've made it. I'm it. I want to always be striving to be better. And I think Lionheart is a powerful name that just kind of gives me that uh, inspires me to become Lionheart. I don't think I'm quite Lionheart yet. <laughs> yeah. That's Life Filled with Grace, a song that was created for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee. Artists and choirs from the area produced different versions of the song, and that was Lorraine's African treatment of it. Thanks, Lorraine Lionheart, for our fascinating conversation, and folks out there, don't forget to check out her music. For more information, go to LorraineLionheart.com. That's LorraineLionheart.com. For more information on this episode, please go to undergroundmagnolia.com. That's undergroundmagnolia.com. Just click on the show and all info will be there. While on my website, you will also see all of my podcast episodes, which can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. So please listen, rate, and review. Email me with anything at contact 
at undergroundmagnolia.com. Again, that's contact at undergroundmagnolia.com. Follow me on Twitter at UMPodcastDV. That's at UMPodcastDV. Unfortunately, my Instagram was hacked and I had to get a new account. And you can now reach me on Instagram at Underground Magnolia Podcast. That's at Underground Magnolia Podcast. Till next time, this is Desiree Avalto, the only Desiree Avalto on the planet. For Underground Magnolia Podcast, I'm out. <laughs>